Uh, did you see I have a contest on Facebook with my coworker Carrie who decorated her office the best? <laughs> I did yeah. see this. I'm losing. It's yeah. unbelievable. That's because you just have a ball of tangled lights that you've plugged in. Yeah. That's not even a ball. It's just like <laughs> it's a jumble. Like yeah. Wad. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I don't see the problem. I mean, there's no problem. Yeah, so Carrie's office has lights strung out there, and she asked me, would I want lights for my office? I said yes. She brought in a bunch and just put them on the floor next to an outlet. So, you so I just plugged them in. Good work. Doing the most. And then we took photos, and we're voting. Who, right. who decorated their office yeah. the best? And I'm losing. The most tragic piece of this is that your office is still more decorated than my office. So. <laughs> yeah, you've nailed a scarf to the wall. No, that's there year-round. That's, that's not a Christmas decoration. Right. All I'm saying is with my ball of lights just on the floor. Yeah. Right. Genius is never appreciated in its time, okay? Yeah, that's true. You know, it, it will come back around. 30 years from now, everybody's going to be doing this. That's, right. It's going to be yeah. all the rage. All right, welcome back to the Beyond Sunday podcast. We're exploring how to take our faith beyond Sunday morning. This is Patrick Nazaroff with me as always. Pastor Dana Bowser. How are you doing, Patrick? And Elise McCarter. Still here. Still pretty successful. Okay. We are We're definitely in Advent now. Definitely yeah, in Advent. We were in Advent last week. Eh, well, last week, we, were, we recorded in November. You know, it yeah, matter. but it was still Advent. Eh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when, like, what are the official boundaries of Advent? It's Help four, us. It's four Sundays before Thanksgiving, or before Christmas. Oh. And it's not that hard. Four Sundays before Christmas. Okay. It's not rocket science, people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Rocket science is interesting. It's way harder than (laughs) that. All right. It's just counting back four Sundays. Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It only gets a little bit wonky. If Christmas Eve is a Sunday, that's technically the fourth Sunday. Oh, no. So, like, like, I think it's next year. Christmas is actually on a Monday, and Christmas Eve will be on a Sunday. Yeah. So then all four Sundays will be in December. Those and that's are, the shortest the Advent can be, that right? That is the shortest that's, Advent. Th- that's always tough. I remember being in meetings on for the church. We got to figure out: do we do a service in the morning? Yeah, and in mm-hmm. the in the evening, which we probably will. Yeah, yeah we'll do oh my goodness. We'll do one small fourth Sunday of Advent service in the morning, yeah. and then we'll do Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's tough. Knock it out. Christmas Eve on the weekend makes it tough for the Sundays. Yeah, which is you know, it's whatever. It's <laughs> it's Christmas becoming its own thing, and it's sure, a, sure. a different conversation. Yeah. Not what we're here to not, talk about. Not today, today not unfortunately. We are, but we are going to talk about Christmas. Do you like Christmas songs? No. Some no. of them. I, I like one. Which, which one? Which one? O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is my favorite Christmas song. Advent hymn. <laughs> not even a Christmas song. I love it. Her favorite Christmas song is Advent. Proof that Advent is awesome. <laughs> How is that not a Christmas song? I, I like uh, it. I mean, it's in the Advent section of the hymnal. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> it's like, all about like preparing and expecting. It's not about the moment when Jesus is born. As opposed to Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which is all about the moment Jesus is born. Mm. So okay. uh, yeah. yeah. I like uh, Away in a Manger. I like I like some of the secular Christmas that, songs, too. What's that one that you sing like on repeat from uh, December 1st through December 25th? My Girl Mariah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mariah yeah. yeah. All <laughs> for Christmas is you. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good one. I, I also like the Jackson 5's uh, Santa Claus. Oh, sure. That's down. classic. Yeah. Real good. Yeah. A little rocking around the Christmas tree. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I like walking in a winter wonderland. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those are all good songs. These are great songs. That Trans Siberian Orchestra, that like main one that everybody knows, I like that one. Yeah, you okay. can, I can rock out to that. All right, that'd um, be my Christmas workout list. <laughs> from Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, man arrested for choking driver who wouldn't stop singing Christmas carols. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, these seen, are my people. <laughs> regardless of why he was choking him, yeah, you should be arrested for that. You shouldn't be allowed to choke people. Yeah, yeah. you shouldn't. But, but you get it. <laughs> well, okay. Was this outside of the Advent season? Because if this was like... Oh, nobody cares about the Advent season. I just, no, no, no. But like, if this is like in post-Thanksgiving to Christmas, definitely not cool. If this guy's singing Christmas carols in July, no, you're allowed to choke him. That's okay. fine. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fair game for any for physical violence okay. necessary to stop that. Perhaps you've never heard of christmas in july 
Fine. June. I don't care. <laughs> also, uh, July is seven months away. Like, July is not the midpoint of the year. It should be Christmas in June. Agreed. Right. Oh, yeah. Same. Christmas in July is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Anyone out there who celebrates Christmas yeah. in July, wow. you're on notice. Wow. We celebrate right. Christmas in notice. two months. June and December. <laughs> Sorry. No January. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is a hard line. <laughs> Christmas only twice a year. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Yeah, so you're, you know, in an Uber or whatever, mm-hmm. driver singing Christmas carols. How, sure. how are you responding? You choking him? Um, zero star review. <laughs> okay. No yeah. tip. <laughs> yeah, I'm less likely to resort to what physical really violence. Good Maybe bailing out Maybe. at a stoplight. Uh-huh. I don't know. Are they singing, like, are they, like, encouraging me to sing along? Maybe it's like a that's like, even like, worse, like a karaoke, yeah. Uber, karaoke, like a Uber karaoke. karaoke. Uber karaoke sounds like fun. I could get down with that. I don't think so. We talked about what you would sing if you were forced right. to do karaoke. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's not a Christmas song. <laughs> Imagine if, if it was Uber karaoke, right. you're never going to see that Uber driver again. That's true. So it's just you and an Uber driver like sharing this really spiritual I feel like moment. You can use this as justification for a lot of things <laughs> that you should not. Wait, yeah, we're not going down that right. road. Yeah, like choking them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because okay. you're never going to see them again. Well, now you're going to see them in court because. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now let me ask: What song would most? What Christmas song would most drive you to choke a guy? Feliz Navidad. Mary, did you know? Oh, <laughs> okay. little drummer boy, maybe. Oh, um, I'm actually okay with little drummer oh. boy. Oh, the yeah. theology of it is terrible, but I like the parumpa pum pum. I am a little bit. <laughs> maybe he's yeah. singing a "Please stop choking me." It's getting yeah, dark. Should, I can't should, see. Should yeah. <laughs> it's getting worse. Okay. Uh, the Christmas shoes would be mine. Oh, that's, the, oh, oh, yeah. that's, that's terrible. So. Tammy oh. is just like nah. the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. There you go. So, like, he was arrested. Are they like? Are they going to I'm, yeah, prison? Sure. Like, what yeah, happened? Yeah, for, I mean, at least, at least county jail. Yeah. You know, for assault. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Friends, if you're listening to your Uber driver sing Christmas songs, just ask them to stop. Yeah. Reconsider. Or just get out. Just say, you know what? I'm good. Just let me sure. out. Choking them is not. I mean, not it's not answer. an appropriate response. In this, but we would get it. In, right. this season, <laughs> in this season of peace and joy, let's not choke our Uber drivers, choke out our Uber drivers. over Christmas carols. <laughs> Save that for bigger reasons. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. If they start spewing like Nazi hatred, then yeah, choke them out. That's sure. fine. That's, You're bet. You bet. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Santa Claus punched a dude, so yeah. it's on the table. Well, St. Nicholas punched a dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's Santa Claus. <laughs> okay. Let's <laughs> not conflate hey, our if, legends if you, here. If the Uber driver's spouting heresy about Jesus's uh, yeah. divinity and humanity yeah, coexisting, punch a dude. Absolutely. St. Nick. Right. Get him. St. Nick would do it. We just passed St. Nicholas Day. We did. As of recording. Yeah, yeah I heard about it from my uh, seven-year-old. Your Saint, seven-year-old heard Saint about Saint Nick Nicholas? made an appearance in Sunday school. Right. Oh, right. okay. And, and maybe this is yeah. a maybe this is a content warning for parents with children. Uh-oh. So I'm about to say something <laughs> that's appropriate, but just, you know. So if there are young years, they might not want to hear this part. Them, yeah. But yeah, she came home and was like, yeah, Saint Nicholas is the real Santa, unlike you and dad. <laughs> okay. Well, at least she knows that you and dad aren't the real Santa. <laughs> right. Well, no, saying like we are fake Santa. Yeah. Right. I. That's what I said. She knows okay. that you and your, your you and Michael are not the real Santa. You're fake Santas. Sure. Right, because real Santa doesn't is Saint Nicholas. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what's so hard to understand oh, about this? Boy. You could have been Saint Nick. You know, punch somebody. Yeah. Show her who's boss. Right. Yeah. Saint, I'm yeah. Saint Nick, and you go punch a dude, and they're like, "Okay, I get it." Yeah. 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 For all of our listeners out there, Google Saint Nicholas and the true story of uh, yeah, how the we, Council of Nicaea. I think, I think he actually slapped. <laughs> I don't think it was a punch. It was a slap. 
but you know. like an open-handed probably i don't know it was like the 300s who knows how they fought back then <laughs> i hope probably. it was real girly <laughs> like a slap fight right. <laughs> stop it, stop it. <laughs> oh yeah he's doing indian burns <laughs> purple nurples noogies right. <laughs> say jesus is god say jesus is fully god <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hardcore right he had another dude sit behind him and he pushed him over it saint augustine yeah. got behind him yeah. sat on his head and farted on him right. yeah. <laughs> pink belly pink belly <laughs> <laughs> confess jesus is fully god i love it oh, i hope that's how it went yeah <laughs> I, no, I assume it goes that's right the legend is now the truth so that's there we go right all right, if we've learned anything from our modern uh, era. It's that if we say it enough, it just becomes mm-hmm, true. So mm-hmm. we just have to tell that story again. Yep. All right. We're going to get into our main topic now. Woo-hoo. Yeah. All right. So uh, this is a, something you found for us, Pastor David. Yeah. You did so your homework. I, well, but, I then, did. but then you gave us some wrong And then he did nothing after that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I did my homework so much as I was doing other things <laughs> and uh, you know just and homework happened to fall out right. no i was i was listening to other podcasts and i had an what? idea oh some, yeah I, wow am i allowed to talk about that homewrecker <laughs> cheated oh. on who Sorry. is who is this other podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> i bet they're not even clever <laughs> i'm gonna go pull out their they're weave. not it's true they're yeah. not there to be clever yeah um but no so i was listening to this other podcast and they were talking about a concept that i'm sure that i learned about in an english class once upon a time but mm-hmm had completely forgotten about and it they used the term false narrator narrator which i've such or since been corrected and that the appropriate term should actually be unreliable narrator uh-huh. so I, I i want us to talk about unreliable narrators a little bit more broadly in a minute but first elise as our resident literary expert in <laughs> residence yes <laughs> the best title i could come up with right. on the spot uh, can you give us some background to unreliable narrators and kind of what roles they fill and we'll, we'll get back into it but just kind of start out What's an unreliable narrator? Sure. Okay. So for some extra background, uh, because I think it might be helpful for our listeners, David, you and I recorded a recorded. <laughs> we recorded uh-huh. a podcast uh, previously about narrative structure and faith. Yes, a previous um, episode of this podcast, of this not podcast. a separate podcast. Yes. We don't. We do not have a separate podcast. Yeah. That we're telling Patrick about. Right. <laughs> it's fine. I don't care. Right. Uh, it's okay. We get to rest on the uh, friendship podcast right. yeah, that we're recording with. Okay. Um, anyway, How come so Elise gets to be in all of these? I don't know, I know. but I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> we record plenty, just me and you, I guess. That's right. Just yeah. not, That's just our thing. It's we not just, friendship. We just or... don't bond over it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we did this narrative structure and right. faith uh, podcast where we talked about the parallels that we see between narrative storytelling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and faith and how the narratives that we tell ourselves are important as well as where we see ourselves as a part of a larger narrative. Yeah. Um, so sort of as an offshoot of that, we wanted to talk about unreliable narrators. And I faith. recall that first episode being stellar. I really enjoyed it, that I think it's my it favorite episode we've done mostly Whoa. because I talked for... Yeah. <laughs> well, she hasn't been here for all of them. So. All right. <laughs> but our friendship episode. Right. Where is that one? Right. Yeah, that's true. Well, all right. To be fair, usually you guys are... <laughs> I like that she's now trying to justify. No, it's, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> why I like that one the most. Usually you guys are carrying the theological weight, right? Like you both are very educated. It's a burden I'm willing field. to bear. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We are too smart. <laughs> it's, it's, this it's is now so. my least favorite episode. <laughs> too smart. Smart, too eloquent. <laughs> it's a curse, you know. Anyway, when we it's talk about that. storytelling, that's something that I can contribute on. I got so you. You contribute I, on lots of things. Thank you. All right, so let's get into this. What we All got? right, so unreliable narrator. Uh, an unreliable narrator is a narrator in a story. So the person who's telling the story mm-hmm. that 
in its simplest form is not portraying the entire truth. Okay. Um, so there are four main types Whoa. of, uh, yep, this five. is a point of contention. <laughs> One, five, and also, uh, this is the information I have, so. <laughs> right, so we're going to challenge Wikipedia, or whatever mm-hmm. Patrick found things on, versus Elise's actual knowledge of what we're talking about. So I'm going to go right. with Elise on this one for the right. moment, and then Patrick can jump in with his fake one in a minute. <laughs> yeah, all right, so there are four broadly accepted and talked okay. about types of unreliable narrator. Um, so first of all, we have the pic- scholars will always argue about anything. So that's about anything. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I mean, people, I'm sure people are trying to find like more like niche versions of, yeah. them, you know, sure, sure. but they fall under these umbrellas. Right. Okay. So the first one is going to be the Picro, Um, and that's a narrator that has a knack for exaggerating their circumstances, exaggerating um, the narrator's circumstances. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so as they're storytelling, they're making up stuff or, or, hyperbole exaggeration all this right so kind of the classic example of this and a lot of these examples are really old school but the classic example of this is going to be mall flanders um i think her mom she was born in jail right to a i don't know i think (laughs) incarcerated mom and then she exaggerates that or twists her circumstances to marry wealthy men mm-hmm. that's kind of the story of that the only okay. flanders i know is ned flanders right so, like, <laughs> and in patrick's defense i thought she said maude flanders which was ned's wife's name <laughs> oh maude flanders yeah. classic literature I, example from the simpsons definitely was nodding along for longer than right. i'd like to admit thinking she was talking about somebody else right. okay so i do have Ma, a Ma I, flanders is from the book. The, the book of that the name, book, well, the book oh, of the okay. same name. Yeah. Well, now I just feel like an idiot, but that's okay. No, it's you're fine. You're, carrying the, all, liter- you're are, carrying the literary weight of this. These are <laughs> books that nobody wants to read, but everybody wants to have read. Sure, I sure. don't that even want to have read that one. So that's of fine. dusty, dusty tomes. Okay. Um, is there is there a tome that we might have read that would have a good example of a Picaro? Um. So. I can't tell you a book that comes to mind okay. for me Movies, for this. Also we acceptable. were kind of brainstorming I it when I came in. Yeah, so you have one. I have one too. I'm not sure if I can say the title. <laughs> okay. um, well, m- mine would be if you watch The Office, sure. Michael Scott's version of storytelling uh, as a Picaro. Okay, right. so I gotcha. he's exaggerating his circumstances, probably painting himself into a better light than yeah. actually existed. Okay, or uh, you know, playfully lying in mm-hmm. a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily deceit. Which we'll mm-hmm. kind of get into one right. of these other examples, but it is it's embellishment. Yeah, it's using the truth and kind of fudging it. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. All right. So. Um, and so mine would be Moira from oh. a popular television series called Poops River. <laughs> you could say Creek is not the word problem. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I needed to commit. Like <laughs> the show is called Shit's Creek. It is. It's named yes. after someone whose last name is S C H I T T. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. Yeah. Well, the town is named that. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's the pig rose, the first one. (laughs) I did my best. (laughs) It was great. Uh, The second is a naif. um, Okay. And they are unreliable due to age or experience level. Um, So either somebody who lacks certain life experience to be able to give you a full bodied picture of what's actually happening. Mm, So their scope is too narrow or somebody who has developmental delays, perhaps Mm. like somebody who would fall on the spectrum would. Mm-hmm. probably fall under the naif as a narrator um and then we have the mad well, 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 I, oh. let's give some examples yeah oh, yep. yeah i okay. do want to know okay. yeah what do we got for a naif okay so classic literature would be huck from huckleberry finn hey mm-hmm. i know that one yeah okay yeah uh, but i have read huckleberry finn <laughs> it really more contemporary versions uh forrest gump would yeah be naif. okay so, so as he's describing like his childhood he does not kind of get he all the things you know especially like his mom is kind of 
using her sexuality right. to help him out. And right. He doesn't get <laughs> all of those things. Such a nice things. way to say that. Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't understand what's happening. Um, <laughs> but but this isn't necessarily I'm from my reading here beforehand doesn't necessarily mean somebody who's just that. It, also, if they're only focused on their point of view and they don't get other people's point of view, because one of the examples I found was Doctor Malcolm Crow in The Sixth Sense. Who mm, yep. spoiler alert for this twenty. Twenty-year-old movie. God, is that twenty he, years ago? Yeah, he's oh, a Lord. ghost the entire time, right. but does not know it. Right. Yeah. So he his point of view is diminished, but not intentionally. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he just only can see things from his own point of view. Yeah. yeah. So you're looking for like a certain level of naivety with a naif. So and I, ask, that's where that name comes yeah. from. Let me ask well. a question on this one because you know, with the Forrest Gump uh, example in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Forrest is telling the story and clearly does not everything or does not understand everything that's happening around him as he mm-hmm. goes through it. But we as the audience are watching and are given that information, right? Like we know what's happening because we see that happening around Forrest and we sure. don't have his same perspective. Right. So how does that play into well, this kind of, this narrator kind of set? And that, if that, does that make sense? Yeah. So one of the, the really great things about using an unreliable narrator in fiction is that it actually forces the reader to interact with the material on a deeper level because okay. you cannot take what is told to you at face value. And so you're forced to draw your own conclusions about things which I think has a pretty cool application with faith. Yeah, which we're going to come we'll back to that. Come right. back yeah, to. Absolutely. Yeah, but that's absolutely. kind of a reason to do that is because as the reader, Forrest is telling, or as the watcher, really Forrest is telling you this, right? Mm-hmm. And you're hearing all these things, but it's filtered through Forrest's perceptions, yeah. right? So he's he's downplaying mm-hmm. the fact that his mother has to you know, sleep with the school principal right. and get him into school or whatever. So he's downplaying that, but you have that full picture. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of see, you can build in What's the background around, yeah. around okay. him. Yeah. And sort of the tragedy that surrounds him that he's sort of unaware of. Yeah. Well, and I think in this literary style, there are times where like you, the audience know the person is an unreliable narr- narrator almost mm-hmm. immediately. And there's times where it's kind of a reveal right? Okay. or, right. or uh, maybe even a debate. Right. Is this person telling you the truth the whole time? And what okay. was the truth? Right. So I think these two by nature, it kind of like lends itself to like you kind of get they're lying to you on some level, maybe unintentionally. Right. But you, it only sometimes only really works if you kind of are on, in on the in on the lie. Okay. Right. I think the next two that we'll get into work maybe even better if you're not in on the lie. Okay. Right. Yeah. So part of the charm of Forrest Gump is being in on the lie, right? Yeah. Like that you sure. know he's unreliable right. and like it's just because you want to see the world through his lens, right? right. It's an oh, experience that, to see that, yeah. That kind of simple, sensitive, and sweet lens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear. You. Yeah. Okay, so Picaro, Nave, Nave, not Nave, Nave, Nave. Yes. Nave. Uh, what else we got? Then we have the Madman. Okay. Um, so this is a, a narrator that is unreliable because they are detached from reality to some extent. Okay. Not necessarily because they have like a literal mental illness, although mm-hmm. that can be part of it. Um, but it just a detachment. Okay. Um, so a, an example, a classic example of that would be uh, American Psycho, sure, um, mm-hmm. where he narrates himself being a serial killer, and then, wow, one of his victims is alive and well, and we don't actually know yeah. whether or not he's a serial What's killer. Happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, uh, Fight Club is another movie. Mm-hmm. It's just over twenty years oldish. You know, where there's a narrator, but this person has a multiple personality disorder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, yeah. so like a character that he interacts with is actually himself, you know? So like, mm. and that's doesn't get revealed until kind of the twist ending. Sure. So, yeah. Okay. Um, and then the last, <laughs> as per me, um, 
unreliable narrator, last type of unreliable narrator is the liar. Um, and this is the most or pe- perhaps only deliberate type of unreliable narrator. Okay. So the others are kind of unreliable by just their, nature by of their who own they nature. are. Yeah. yeah. But this is like I, as a narrator, am trying to deceive you. Falsifying information. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. So what are our examples of the, the liar? Uh, my favorite one is a movie called Gone Girl, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great film if you've never seen it. If you don't want to pause it, it's it's really good and come back to, to you know, hear the twist, I guess. Or like knowing it's an unrolled narrow is kind of the twist. Oh, right. But the first half of the movie is narrated by Amy in her journals. Mm-hmm. And it kind of describes leading up to her disappearance, possibly killing by her husband. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then the twist is... Those journals are all fake. Oh, right. wow. And so, and she has set up this disappearance to frame her husband. Wow. And then, you know, the second half has a bit of her husband, Nick, is also a bit of an unreliable narrative, but not necessarily to the level of kind of deception that sure. Amy is. Amy is deceptive. Nick is self-interested. Okay. You know, so, all like, right. yeah. All right. Yeah. Excellent. So, so those are the four main types. Uh, Patrick found... A fifth one. Yeah. Um, What's the fifth one? With that, which I think is just a really more of a niche that's just trying to get across satire. Could not f- could not find an example of this one. What what is it? But this is a clown, and this is a person who thinks storytelling is a joke, intentionally toying with the readers, or mm. or what? So fan fiction. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what we're looking at here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, so four, maybe five. So you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but what's mm-hmm. what are the literary advantages of employing? A, uh, I'm still going to keep saying the wrong thing. An unreliable. unreliable yeah. What's what's the literary advantage of employing an, an unreliable narrator? Like, uh, wh- why do I, as a reader, well, no, let's let me start. Why is that, do I, as an author, want to use an unreliable narrator? Well, it depends on what your your goal for the story is, okay. right? And so there's different reasons why you might use an unreliable narrator. I think. One of the biggest benefits, like we said, is that it forces the reader to draw their own conclusions and interact with the material on a deeper level mm-hmm. um, versus just a consumption right you're now interacting trying to figure things out and piece it together for yourself um it can also be used to conceal twists in a story um related to this would be a red herring um i don't know if you're familiar with the term i am most frequently used what we call redheads right (laughs) anybody with red hair red red herrings (laughs) it's a fish yeah it's yeah it is a fish but it's also a literary device um which it's like a fake clue right in its simplest form, it's a misdirection. Okay. So it's it's smoke and mirrors. It's the sleight of hand that makes you think that the coin is in this hand when the whole time it's in the other hand. Right. Um, Behind your ear. Right. And it's most most frequently employed in mystery stories. Um, but it's the same thing that where by the time you get to the real twist in a story, if you don't employ things like uh, unreliable narrators or red herrings, the average reasonable reader will figure out what your twist is before you get there. Right. Right. If you just tell it linearly without these devices, Um, if you employ these, they've been so distracted by these things that by the time you get to the twist, it's a real twist because they've been expecting something over in the West wing, you know? So, so I'm I'm here now thinking of like any episode of law and order Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's never the first person that they show you, Mm. but they set it up to be like, Oh look, it's definitely this person. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh no, it was, Usually the spouse all along right. who claimed to be out of town, but had actually arrived home early and nobody knew. Right. Right. So that's kind of what I'm imagining. Does that right. sound 
yeah, so it's it's concealing sometimes small details with like, whoa, there's a you know splatter of blood over here that no one know. had seen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So. Okay. So what then is the advantage for me as an audience member or as a reader? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what's the advantage for me of reading something? Like, why, why do I want to read something if I know the narrator is unreliable? Um, I think there's a lot of. I mean, for me, there's a lot of interest in the challenge of figuring out what's actually happening, right? Um, I'm somebody who likes to read so that, you know, maybe it gives me an advantage in this. Uh, But that actually ups the enjoyment level for me and having to interact with it more. Um, That's why most mystery readers read mysteries, right? It's because you want to be engaged by this. You want to have a puzzle and figure Mm -hmm. it out. Um, So there are also unreliable narrators that the whole point of the story is to depress you i believe mm, okay that sounds <laughs> i like mean fun. so there there are stories that exist for those reasons as well like uh, the grapes of wrath i think is one yeah. of those stories right that it's not not a happy book it's not you know it's not really an enjoyable read um but we all had to do it everybody it's one of those again nobody wants to read everybody wants to have read i don't know that i even categories. want to have read it but i had to read it yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay well i think i mean ultimately people like solving puzzles mm-hmm. and okay. so it's a puzzle in a story form and so right. that's why you would want to engage and there are definitely people in our world who do not like solving puddles and puzzles and puzzles. Have, <laughs> and have no interest in the mystery genre or reading books with unreliable narrators or right. of those sure. things right but they're just not interested you yeah. know so no i think that's i think that's a helpful yeah. point so uh, as we're thinking about unreliable narrators and you know, this kind of setup my question for us because this is where the podcast that i was listening to originally is they were talking about um an unreliable narrator as they were talking as they were had heard about it, a false narrator is what they were calling it and they were talking about how in their understanding right we are often fed these kind of lies from mm-hmm. the world around us and we believe them like they're honest narrators but in fact we're being given these unreliable narrators of our own lives all the time right so we're being yeah. kind of in these feedback loops of what uh, whether it's our perception of ourselves or whether it's other people's perception of ourselves we're getting these uh, unreliable reports back mm-hmm. all the time so when you're reading an unreliable narrator how do you know that you're reading an unreliable narrator right like does it just become evident because they get busted eventually or are, are you like as a reader looking for something that says when i see these patterns i i start to see that this, uh, this a narrator is unreliable well again it depends on the book right and okay. it depends on the the goal with the unreliable narrator yeah in the storytelling um something like forrest gump you sort of know from the jump sure, that yeah. he's an unreliable narrator, um, and that's. So your- let me let me ask about uh, Forrest Gump because mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious about this. Where he is telling the story reliably from his perspective. He is, yes. yeah. But he's unreliable because his perspective is not the whole perspective, or is right. not or is not fully aware of everything that's happening right. around him. Right. Yep. So the the things that he focuses on and the the information that he gives you is a piece of the picture, right? And you have to fill in the gaps based on peripheral information. So isn't that true of any of us telling the story about any of our lives? Like I never have the full story of my childhood. Right. I, I always only have my right. picture, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, I, mean, so I think we're we, all unreliable narrators. Oh, well, this is depressing. This is not the direction that I expected this conversation to go. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, this is definitely the, the perspective. I, I expected this conversation to go because, I mean, the primary narrator in our lives is ourselves. ourselves right? yeah. And we are all unreliable narrators. Sure. And right. sometimes, at, at least at periods, engaging in all four of these, we'll say clown, we'll, 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 yeah. we'll strike that one from the record, <laughs> sure. you know, as we engage with our own stories mm. and as we kind of engage with the world, we're constantly 
saying these things, you know, uh, and engaging with them and how we perceive these things. So it's not just about outside narrators coming right. into my life. I'm an unreliable narrator right. in yeah. my own life. Yeah. So I can't fully be trusted on what's true for me. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so when we take that from the perspective of faith, then, right, what you were, you were mentioning earlier, I'm not going to quote you exactly because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll butcher it, but essentially you were saying that the unreliable narrator invites us into deeper reflection. Uh, so I'm wondering if you can expand on that piece a little bit and how that might be true for ourselves and when we identify ourselves as the unreliable narrator of our own lives. Um, I mean, I think self-awareness mm. there is, is key, right? So, so if you know that you're an unreliable narrator and you know, the, the thing that I was saying is that it invites us into deeper um, interaction with the material, right? Because then you have to do the work to figure out what's actually happening. So if you know that your perspective is not totally reliable, then you start to seek other perspectives to balance that out with and get a bigger picture, right? Um, I think frequently the church can be an unreliable narrator as well. Yeah. Um, If we're tying it back into faith, um, particular traditions as well, you know, go ahead. (laughs) I'm not going to say it. (laughs) We can name them here. Right. I'm not going to say it, but the more fundamentalist traditions, I think, in some ways are very obviously unreliable narrators to my mind. Um, And I think that that can be healthy to run up against that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in your faith, because then you are forced to reevaluate. You are forced to take in other perspectives and then you come away from that, hopefully with a stronger foundation and a better picture of what's actually important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as I'm hearing it, this is kind of like, is the church a naif that's kind of telling the, telling the story from its own perspective and maybe is slightly unaware of the parts of the story that it's missing mm-hmm. or is the church a liar or a madman? Right. Right. That's a great question. And, yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think there are times when it's both. Right? right. And I, and I think there are traditions that perhaps lean more one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I am confident that I have told stories and told and preached sermons that, uh, would fit the naif category, right? Because mm-hmm. I have my perspective and that's what right. I can preach from. I like to think that I'm not intentionally trying to lead or mislead or mm-hmm. uh, create an alternate world for the people that I'm listening to, right? right. So I like to think that I'm not a madman right. or a liar, but I can definitely point to periods of the church's history where the church was saying, yeah, we're going to we're gonna lie about this. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's more important for us to have power or wealth or whatever, um, you know, keep the empire intact or whatever right. it might be, slap a fellow bishop, whatever, right? It's more important for us to be able to do that than it is for us to have the truth or for right. people to know the truth. Um and so that becomes a pretty fascinating question for me is how do we uh, then begin to sift through um, the unreliableness of all the narrators that surround us, including right. the church. Sure. And I'd like to think, I want to think how I want to say it. I would like to think that um, Jesus is the one reliable narrator, right. right? And so then the question is how do we listen to Jesus over all the other unreliable narr- narrators that we're faced with that's right. where that's for me like where i went with this initial conversation in my head is like sure. okay if we're faced with all these unreliable narrators how do we sift through that to find the real the, the truth right right and when you're reading a story ultimately the the story resolves itself one right. way or another and yeah. you're given and you're given the complete picture well, well, but our life story doesn't resolve until after our death and, right? and, and in a story i mean like amy and gone girl is allowed to lie to you the reader because she's not real Right. Like, sure. like I'm engaging with the fiction and it's okay that this fictional character is lying to me 
to make the story more interesting right. and yeah. draw me in. If I'm engaged, if I'm having a conversation with a person and you find out that they've been lying to you the whole time, it's no longer what a twist, right? right. Like, oh, that's so interesting uh, that, that you've been deceiving me intentionally for the majority of our relationship. Right. You just feel betrayed and let down and, and wounded, right? right. But I yeah. think there are people who enter into even fictional relationships in that same in that same who feel betrayed by characters who that who turn out to be unreliable narrators i, I mean even in fictional worlds that's yeah. very possible but I, I will say like that's not necessarily on the author you know like yeah, that's, that's not their yeah. like yeah like james frey who was exposed on oprah for he wrote a memoir called a million little pieces that he lied about <laughs> yeah i remember so that. it's his it's his autobiography and he's lying in it is different than sure. um Jillian Flynn lying in Gone Girl. Right. Yeah, because she's created a fictional character. Right. I gotcha. So, so, I mean, I think, like, one, we have to acknowledge, like, the church just can't sometimes say, or Christians can't just say, like, oopsie daisy. Like, that's fair. You know, like, yeah, that happened. Sorry. Because, like, there's a real human connection there, Mm -hmm. you know, when we figure out that, oh, this person in leadership was protected um, from scandals. Yeah. uh, and we lied to your right. face. Like that's not just an oopsie daisy or what yeah. a twist. It's real harm and real hurt attached right. to it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It is. I think, you know, in terms of filtering out things and focusing on Jesus being like a reliable narrator, mm-hmm. um, I think that that's still sort of a gray area, even though I do think sure. that Jesus is a reliable narrator. I think you're coming to it, to the table with all of your own perceptions right. and baggage and preconceived notions. So even in that work of filtering out, you know, what is the truth here? You're still unreliable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause it's not just coming from, you know, the calls coming from inside the house in a sense. Like it's right. not just the unreliable narrators coming at me. If I'm also an unreliable narrator in my right. own life, sure. yeah. how do I, how do I know what I'm lying to myself about sure. right? in a sense? So th- this or, then, or when I read the Bible, how do I know when I'm encountering Jesus yeah. Am I putting myself or my own yeah. point of view on him? You know, like, or Jesus is just telling me what I want to hear. Yeah. You right. know, I think that can be quite a challenge. No, that's, like, a, that's a great point. Yeah. I, I think for me, this is, you know, kind of reemphasizing something we've talked about before in the podcast that, uh, and maybe it's because I'm not as avid a reader, but I'm imagining myself reading some of the, some of the novels that you're describing thinking like, I really need somebody to be like walking me through the unreliable narrator in the story. And I think we mm-hmm. need people who are walking us through the unreliable narrators in our life. I think we need to do these things in community right. because we ourselves are also unreliable. Right. Um, I think there's more reliability in a, in a, in a group of witnesses than in a single testimony, right? And so right. if I, in myself and in my own private prayer life, hear Jesus saying X, that is far less reliable to me than if I, in a group of people who have heard my circumstances, who have watched this thing happen and have watched this play out over a period of time, all come to an agreement of, yes, X, this is what we think right. You know, Jesus is up to in this moment or God right. is up to in this moment, yeah. Right, because then it's just Jesus told me to marry you versus right. a group of people are like, oh yeah, they've been in love for years. All right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jesus. This sounds like a personal experience, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Well, it's kind of we'll like unpack that later. Right. <laughs> it is kind of like movies or TV shows or things that engage in these things. What do we What do we want to do once we've watched them or read them? Well, we want to talk about it, right? Like yeah. right. we want to to find people to be like, have you read or seen Gone Girl? Have you seen Fight Club? And let's talk right. about what were the clues, what was the things that were kind of misleading us along the way was this true was this not because it's fun to kind of decipher you know church should be the same thing we should Mm -hmm. want to say this is my faith life i want to discuss it in a group setting because it 
I want to figure this out. Yeah. You know, but I think we're afraid to, to say, I want to figure this out because it makes us sound like we're accusing God slash Jesus of being an unreliable narrator. Well, and I, I think that puts us on edge. We don't feel comfortable making that assertion. Right. I don't think that's what we're asserting, but I think that we're uncomfortable getting close right. to that. We were all sort of nerding out about uh, Knives Out before we started recording yeah. this podcast and talking about well, how... we were nerding out about Daniel Craig, but yeah, Knives Out also. Well, yes, I especially was, but Knives Out in general is an excellent movie. It's one of my very favorites. I right. think as part of the genre, it does sort of really novel things. Mm-hmm. While relying on old tropes, and it's a movie, which it's is not incredible. So that was a novel joke, but it's fine. And there's a sequel coming out, yeah, or out, right, and it's, gone. It's coming out on Netflix. <laughs> it's confusing. December twenty third. Yeah, so. nobody knows. Anyway, <laughs> I just know. I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> How could anyone have this information? <laughs> right, it's a mystery. Um, th- but they. It is a mystery. <laughs> Patterson. I'm trying to say something. <laughs> Patterson, unreliable narrator. Yeah. It's unclear if he's a madman or a knave. But right. <laughs> anyway, with Knives Out in particular, they employ the red herring and the unreliable mm-hmm. narrator, and in which are classic tropes for mystery genres, but they do it in really novel ways, and that they call them out from the beginning, so you see what the red herrings and the unreliable narrators are, mm-hmm. and they use yeah. that to their advantage. Yeah. And I think when church is at its best, it calls out the things about itself that mm-hmm. are subjective okay yeah. and then it lets us do the work to interact with that yeah some spoilers for yeah. knives out if you've not seen it so if you want to go pause this and go fi- track oh, it down. It's so good but yeah, yeah. It, it shows yeah. you kind of the murderer right away and so you end up rooting kind of but you like her and right you know what happened and, 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 <laughs> but and, it makes you think you don't know what happened and right. you're rooting yeah. for her and you are kind of like rooting for her against the Sherlock Holmes character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want him to figure out the mystery because mm-hmm. you like her, yeah. but you also like, like him. him. Yeah. So it kind of creates this so weird lovable. tension yeah. between these two characters that you really enjoy and figure out how to, how this works. And so all the fake clues, you're kind of, yeah, you can pick up on like, oh, that's a fake clue, right? Because right. you you know the ending going, like within the first 30 minutes, you know who done it. Yeah, right. Um, now there is a, a greater mystery attached yeah. to it that does, I think, pay off well. Um, but like it, it plays those tropes so, so fun. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it also reminds us, when we talk about red herrings, like they are effective and they're effective for a reason because people use them not just in literary genres, mm-hmm. but in life. I mean, how often is our, you know, politicians or sometimes church mm-hmm. or leadership throw up a straw man or a red herring? This sure. is the villain in the story right. when it's not really all that true. Yeah. yeah. Right? Or even, you know, just look at our personal lives. And, and in so many ways, our Facebook on our Instagram is, an, is a red herring sure. for the <laughs> suffering that we're really dealing with. Right. Like, yeah. here's my beautiful Instagram page of everything looking happy when I'm broken and weeping on the inside oh, yeah. okay um, <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah that's, we'll talk later um, <laughs> you know i was thinking about this this morning um about purity culture being a red herring mm. um so the in the 90s in particular the church really came down hard i don't know about the lutheran church but the church i grew up in came we've down done hard an episode on this yeah on purity go back culture. and see our purity culture episode right and I lots just, of callbacks in this one it's good i know it's really good advertising for ourselves but <laughs> Um, but we might be unreliable narrators. So uh, you know, we definitely are. Um, but that to me is a red herring, right? Of mm-hmm. faith where the church is cho- chosen to say purity. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. That is the thing. Mm-hmm. And so people, lots of people that I knew even got married mm-hmm. <laughs> for presumably the long haul. Yep. So as not to sacrifice their supposed purity. Right. And you know, 
didn't I mean, always work out. This is not theologically sound, but from a yeah. practical perspective, like, yeah. <laughs> and in the, it makes a lot of sense. In the podcast, I mean, we covered like ways I was lied to sure. by Christians mm-hmm. per- purging, you know, purity culture things, right. crazy things like, oh, if you, you know, uh, one, if you save yourself, you'll be better at sports because <laughs> 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 all that pent up energy oh my gosh. is going to go on the field. You were told that? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> or I mean the lie of like, were you good at sports? Like, <laughs> have no. you seen Patrick play? <laughs> pickleball. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's sa- where it went. He yeah. saved himself for pickleball. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean the lie of like, if two, um, you know, virgins get married, their sex life will be better. Yeah. And it may be, but it may not be yeah. like that's not something you can guarantee right. anyone kind of yeah. going in. And that is, right. and also doesn't necessarily mean you should not strive for that or the church shouldn't push for that. But that's a lie. Right. Because right. right. then what happens if two virgins get married and their sex life is miserable, <laughs> then it then it just kind of kind of uh, suggests like something went wrong with this kind of system that I was that I was given. Yeah. Right. So here's what I think is really beautiful about that is that we have a result that we're all like striving for. Right. Like I'd agree that I think it's best if people only have sexual relationships within the context of marriage. I agree that I think that is the best biblical principle and the, and the way that we're called to enter into those relationships. But they employed the red herring and the false uh, or the unreliable narrators in order to manipulate people to mm-hmm. get to that point. Yes. Rather than as you were kind of inviting us into at least uh, kind of lifting up the things that are a little subjective mm-hmm. and giving people room to explore that and come to that conclusion with honesty rather than uh, the manipulation. I, I just think that's really... Right. Unfortunate, but beautiful uh, case study that we right. have on how that can play out. Right. Yeah. Well, and the reality is... Because we have the is, same end goal, right? We, we all could have agreed lots of where we want to go, but we employed very different means right. to try to get there. Well, I mean, the reality is that when you give people space to do that, ultimately people are going to land in different places, right? Sure. Not everybody is going to conclude that you know, marriage is really the only acceptable mm. venue for mm-hmm. that. Um, so I think that that is frightening to... Sure. Churches, right? To power structures. Or yeah. To power yeah. structures in general. Um, to, to give people space to do that. It's much easier just to say this bad, this good, you know, yeah. and nothing in between. So Sure. Well, yeah. And I think the, the manipulation piece, because I think you could, you could make a biblical argument for this good, that bad, and mm-hmm. nothing in between. Or you could make that biblical argument. But the methodology to get from point A to point B, right. it, particularly about this, is what was grabbing my attention. Right. Yeah. Yep. This is good. I I really appreciate this conversation. Guys. I feel like I learned a lot. Good. I like episodes when I learn things too. Uh, Any ask thoughts or questions? Is- you know, I am just re- I'm going to keep wrestling with this because I think this uh, unreliable narrator piece is really interesting. And I I wonder I, maybe this is a whole episode on its own, but I think there's a, a large swath of people that look to the Bible and see the authors of the Bible as inherently unreliable narrators. Mm. Sure. Versus people who look at the Bible and see them all as fully always reliable narrators right and there's probably some you know mix of us myself included who would look at it and say some of these people are accomplishing different things and sometimes they're reliable and sometimes they're not and where's the spirit in the midst of that and and that might be a another interesting concept is to like you kind of look at the the narrator's reliability within scripture as well well i also think we need to be you know weary or our our are smart when we kind of engage with our world too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the unreliable narrative is not just a literary technique. It's not just like something we all have to deal with internally. There are intentional liars kind yeah. of in our midst mm-hmm. and kind of trying to deceive, whether that's from the television, from politics, from news, from even within the church, you know, and especially those that are out there being like, don't trust your own eyes and ears. Trust what I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, when it gets to that level, that's a, 
that's a liar. I mean, yeah. that's a person who is an, uh, not just an, like that extreme version of an unreliable mm-hmm. narrator mm-hmm. Um, that is intentionally trying to deceive. Yeah. And, you know, having a wisdom, you know, when we land on, you know, Jesus isn't just the only infallible person, but it's this political figure that yeah. becomes infallible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this in- Instagram. It was George infall- Washington, right? That was the infallible political figure. Yeah, because yeah. he told the truth about cutting down the cherry tree. Right. Or did he? I think he lied first. <laughs> oh, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, or, or whatever it is, like that becomes dangerous. Or even your pastor. Like if that mm-hmm. person becomes, mm-hmm. that person could not lie to me. Yeah. You know, I think that becomes a dangerous relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know. I think we touched on this in the narrative episode that you and I did, Elise, where we talked about like, are these thematic moves that we see as so meaningful in literature? Are they there because they're things that we see play out in our real life? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we kind of landed on yes, like yep. this, this was a human condition, and then it, we encapsulated that in story form. And I think right. that uh, these unreliable narrators, in the same way, are things that we see playing out around us all the time, and so we find them fascinating when they're in a contained and controlled environment, like a right. story. Right, because they're fictional; they can't cause us any harm. We don't have to get mad at characters when they're in a book, yeah. um, and so we we find them fascinating on an experimental level like that. But then we see them play out in real life, and they, they cause real pain and right. real hurt. Um, but one of the things I think that's worth you know remembering here, and Patrick, you're kind of alluding this too. Um, I think there are spiritual forces at work that we don't always understand, and those spiritual forces are always unreliable, right? And so, uh, how are we? Uh, how are we just being aware of spiritual forces that are at work in our lives and treating them as such and not uh, assuming that just because we think we hear quote unquote the spirit or because we think we have um, an insight that it's automatically from God. Cause there are definitely mm-hmm. ways in which we see throughout scripture and throughout history uh, spiritual forces that are against God employ the same means that God uses mm-hmm. so as to lure people away from faith. Okay. At least you have maybe um a movie or book with an unreliable narrator that you want to recommend with no twist given away. We've given away some oh of the my twists goodness. in these. Give it away. Um, give it away. Yeah. Give it away. Give it away now. It's a little Red Hot Chili Peppers reference for you while Elise is thinking. The, okay. Murder on the Orient Express, the new Agatha Christie retelling mm-hmm. um, movie. Okay. With Kenneth Branagh? Yep. It's, it's really a, good. It resurrected Hercule Poirot. It's, uh, it's did, really what? good and really well done. <laughs> what did you just say? It's the detective from okay. Agatha Christie. I, I had no idea what the words were that came out of your mouth. Uh, the sequel, Murder on the Nile? Not good. Don't bother with that one. Okay. But Ur- Murder, Orient, Orient Express. Express, real good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have one too. Uh, it's uh, also about 20 years ago called Memento oh, uh, by Christopher so Nolan. Yeah. It's one of his early films. So uh, the character has, um, he cannot form long-term memories. Mm-hmm. So after you know, 30 minutes to an hour, he resets uh, and has on his body tattooed information to give him every time he resets Wow! and is trying to solve his wife's murder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, again, and, and so you're watching this movie of this character who's constantly having to lear- relearn what's going on mm-hmm. uh, every 30 minutes or to an hour is, is really, really interesting movie. So. Yeah. And it's told, uh, Oof, it's told I'm in tired a, already. it's yeah. told in a, a fascinating way. Yeah. So, yeah, so I do like Christopher Nolan movies. So. Yeah, it's really good. I would say uh, Orient Express is a little bit more like classic employ of these tropes, sure. and Memento is really it's a really cool like experimental storytelling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. 
Well, thanks for indulging me on this one, guys. Yeah, this was fun. super fun. All right, if you enjoyed uh, this episode, be sure to check out our previous episode on narratives and purity culture and all the other episodes that we referenced. You can find all of them at beyondsundaypodcast.com uh, where you can leave a comment or uh, share it out to all your friends in the world uh, and uh, try not to be an unreliable narrator to your friends when you're talking about Beyond Sunday. Just tell them the truth that, that we're, we're the, the best, best. podcast <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you maybe share the three most brilliant people that have ever existed. It could right. be. It's hard to say. It's maybe. Yeah. yeah. It may. It may. You be can't true. say we're not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can't prove a negative. <laughs> you can. You can also send us an email Beyond Sunday Podcast at gmail.com. Ha- happy Advent, everybody. Oh, uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> as Patrick rolls his eyes. At me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with more Beyond Sunday.